Thank you all so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you please allow us to receive your word today. Let it resonate in our hearts. Let us apply what we need to apply in our actions and behaviors. And also build a better relationship with you, God. We ask that you just please allow us to see things and hear things from your perspective so that when we are speaking to people, we're engaging with them, we can see and hear them from your perspective and not our own. God, show us things that we need to see in order for us to be able to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. No matter what that may be, God, we just ask that you please allow your will to be done in our life because we need you. So we ask that you please. Lord, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for having access to the holy spirit all the time and so i just pray that you please allow the holy spirit to quicken us in every situation and circumstance that you god every step that we take every thought that we think and every word that we speak let it be inspired by you encouraged by you god we just ask that you just that you please allow us to live a life of abundance and just be able to have interpretation and revelation of your word in a way where we can take authority with um every single opportunity that you give us god we want to be able to have authority over it through the power of your holy spirit so let us walk in the authority of righteousness being led by the holy spirit making sure that we're sensitive to the voice of the holy spirit god we want to be able to walk in the steps that you provide us no matter what god don't let us deviate from from your plan or purpose do not let our feet run to do evil. Do not let our feet run to gossip. Do not let our feet run to do anything that will be outside of your plan, will, and purpose, God. Allow our hearts to stay situated and focused on you, God, so that we can live a life that is like filled with peace, God, because you provide us with peace of mind. You give us everything that we need to sustain. And so we just ask that you continue to give us traveling mercies as we go to and from our destinations including the people that we come in contact with. Allow us to influence each and every one, each and every person with the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us dominate in every situation through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, you are our rock, our fortress. God, we could call on you for everything. You are our protector, our leader, our, our guide. You are our navigation system. So we thank you right now in advance for everything that you're doing, everything that you're doing, even things that we don't know that you have done for us, God. So we thank you that we can move from glory to glory to glory and from breakthrough to breakthrough to breakthrough. We thank you, God, for hearing our prayers, for giving us access to you, your ears, to hear our voice. In the Oh, and please allow the Holy Spirit sing. And uh, most importantly, please, please, God. Hey, 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 everybody. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. So, yesterday, I had a very interesting topic about women's health and just basically um, setting expectations that make you feel entitled. So there were some videos or also some additional scriptures that I wanted to really talk about. Um, and so really what I would like to do is um, kind of like go finish going over those things and um, hopefully be able to finish up on entitlement today. 
Um, so I will also like to talk about how, um, cause I, I know I need to finish up the self-care practices cause I didn't get a chance to do that. And also I would like to talk about, see God, he gave me a revelation today. And so the revelation is this, God paused time. That's what God said. He said, I paused time to allow you to change. God pauses time for us. And so what I mean by that is, even though everything going on around you in this life, God is still giving you time to change and to do better and to improve in your life. So while everything is still moving around in this world, God is still giving you more time. God is still giving you more time to be faithful in your marriage. God is giving you more time to, you know, build uh, positive relationships and networks with uh, networks with people. God is allowing you to change your your stone heart into a softened heart. God is giving you a chance to walk in forgiveness, so you are no longer being chains and in bondage. Allowing other people to live rent-free in your mind and in your life by living in unforgiveness. God is pausing time. God is pausing time for you and all of us. Okay? So, um... This is the example that today. So I was I was having a conversation with God. I always have conversations with God every single day. And so I'm sitting here eating. I'm thanking God. Because I always thank God over whatever food I'm eating. I say, thank you, God, for this food. Let it nourish my body in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm sitting here and I'm eating some cookies. And I love eating cookies with milk, right? And so I had some a little uh, a few cookies that was in the refrigerator, and so I'm I'm eating those cookies with some milk, and they they wasn't absorbing the milk, and so God said, get your, get the other cookies that was not in the refrigerator, get the ones that's on top. So I get the other cookies. When I grabbed them, I started eating those cookies with my milk absorbs better with the cookies that were not in the refrigerator so am i an expert of making cookies absolutely not i am not an expert of cookies i don't do a lot of baking my sister has always did a lot of baking but i definitely know how to cook and i definitely would know how to make cookies and bake whenever i need to um because i'm a mom before any other title I'm a child of God. I belong to God. And so I am a mom. All right. So that means that when it comes to cooking and doing things for my children, you, you please know that is something that I definitely know how to do is cook. All right. Um, so what God was telling me is that you might not be a cookie expert, but you see how the milk absorbs the cookies that are not in the refrigerator. So I noticed that the cookies are absorbing the milk in the, the cookies that were not cold. 
much more efficiently than cookies that are cold. And how did I notice this? Well, guess what? When you eat cookies a lot, like, you know, every week, because I like eating cookies. I don't like too much um, sweet stuff like candy. I don't like that. But I will eat like donuts and I will eat cookies with milk. So the point of this, the point of the matter is, is that what God was saying was, you might not be an expert in understanding the logistics behind frozen cookies and cookies that are not cold. But you have the experience to be able to tell a story. Okay, guess what? I had these cookies that were not cold and they absorb milk much faster and more efficient than cookies that are in a refrigerator because guess what? They're not absorbing the milk. So if you want to eat cookies and milk, you're going to have to eat them with the cookies that's not cold. And so the point of, of, of me having this conversation with God, because this is how God speaks to me. He, he We talk, and when I tell God something, it's like God will just give you an idea. God will speak to you through the spirit of God. And so it's like, okay, so God said, in life, you might not be an expert with a PhD. You also may not be an expert with a bachelor's degree or associate's degree or even a master's you may not even be certified in a field that you are supposed to be certified in but what happens is your experience allows you to be an expert at that subject matter your experience allows you the opportunity to be someone that you can depend on with this in this area or in that subject or in that topic, whatever the discussion is. Because your experience equates to a testimony. So I was talking to someone today and I am about to dive into the discussion, okay? Um, but I want to give you these stories because these are things that really like connect me to a lot of the discussions um, on these blogs. And so God just give me these ideas based upon my experience and the things that I've endured and overcome. And so what God was saying, um, I, well, today I, I talked to somebody today. It was a very special person. And so this is a friend. Uh, this is one of my friends, friends. And so this lady, she was like really going through some things. And, um, so what the things that we were talking about, it's like, she went through a lot of heart pain and emotional trauma in her life. And, um, a lot of this emotional trauma really was led by her childhood or adverse childhood experience. So ACES is called adverse childhood experience. So she went through all of this trauma and this trauma, you know, allowed her to become emotionally numb. It's what I've identified as emotional numbness. And so I was basically ministering to her and talking to her about a lot of things. And what I said was, 
God has a testimony in your life. You have to overcome your experiences in order for your experience to glorify God. So God does not want you in bondage. He does not want you just stand in your situation. It doesn't matter what you didn't do in your life. You are the expert of your experience. So I didn't, I didn't make those cookies, but guess what? I ate them. And my experience with eating cookies with milk is, guess what? They are, they absorb better in cookies that are warm than when cookies that are in the refrigerator. So I know that that's a pretty small analogy, right? But that's okay. I just want to make sure that the point got across because it doesn't matter what level you, what level you are in life. You are the expert of your experience. You know what you've experienced. You know what you went through. You know how you overcame. You know how you didn't overcome. So we need to talk about things. The way that we help other people is in our ability to talk about things that we have overcome. So if you hear me talking about a story, I have overcome. My testimonies is basically I've overcome. All right. So I'm not going to be talking about anything that I have not overcome through God. Okay. And that is fact, not opinion. So um, I just wanted to make that clear so I can combat some of this dogmatism. Um, because so many people, they kind of look at facts and opinions differently, right? So, yes, your, your opinion, it counts when it relates to your experience. So, God pauses time for you to overcome your experiences. So, what I like to do today specifically is get right into the word. What I'm going to talk about now is I'm, I'm going to kind of shift focus a little bit, but it's all going to correlate. With God pausing time. So I want to talk about. I actually want to show you all a video. About women being entitled. Okay. Because this entitlement thing. Is really need. And it really needs to be cut short. Setting expectations. That leads to entitlement. Equates to your disappointment. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Setting expectations that makes you entitled leads to your disappointment. So I'm going to talk about women's entitlement today. So let me go ahead and share my screen. But before I do, 
Let me um go over a few housekeeping rules, okay? This is for mature audiences. I am very, very outspoken when it comes to the word of God and my experiences that I've overcome, which are considered my testimonies. And so if it offends you in any way, this may not be the podcast for you. So the housekeeping rules are this. If you have any questions and you're joining me via Zoom webinar, please go ahead and put your questions in the Q&A and I'll be sure to respond to you there. Now, also, if you're joining me via any of the audio apps, just go ahead and put your, your comments there and I will respond. If you wanted to suggest a topic at all, um, I had someone send me a request the other day about the New World Order. I've already created a blog to discuss the New World Order. So if you send me a topic, I will present that blog right away as soon as I can. Okay, so just come on and shoot the ideas. Send me the email. You can send that email to Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. That that's spelled D as in David, E-A-N-N-A, -N -N Watson at SuddenChanges.org. Now, if you were interested in becoming an author, right, or if you wanted to do maybe some mandated community service for court, if you needed to become a volunteer, you wanted to do some volunteer work for a nonprofit, go ahead and send me an email because I can help you. Send that email to info suddenchangescorporation.org. Also, if you need support. All right. So that's it for the announcements. Let me go ahead and share my screen. Okay. There we go. Let me share the sound. Okay. Here we go. All right, so the scripture that I left off at yesterday was Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And that is basically the basis for um, is the scripture, 2 Thessalonians. Wait, wait, that's not it. I'm sorry, Isaiah 2 and 22. Um, Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? So, um, that would be this scripture here, Isaiah 2 and 22. Stop trusting in mere humans, in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? So, basically, why are you trusting people not to fail you? You trusting that, that will meet your expectations. So, I want to show you all a video this is a video about a man um he humbles a room full of women and this is from morocco uh tv um and so i'm just gonna play play this clip there so this man is answering questions in a room full of women and basically he's asking them they're asking him questions about entitlement and so let's go ahead and look here so let's listen to what he has to say Let's have one more question. We had this person at the back in the stripes. Um, yeah, let's hear from you. Um, 
during the dating period, you know, after like four or five months of dating, um, I just wondering at what point does it get, do you have to pay, did the woman have to pay when they go out? The guy is asking that I should, there should be half and half at that point when you already- uh, At what point? When you already been dating for four or five months. Right. <laughs> Look, okay, uh, to, to give you a quick answer on firstly, I think we should just deal with the who should pay thing to begin with. Who, when you're on a date, who should pay? <laughs> surprise, surprise. I know, I mean, that's what I told them, you know, I'm sorry. But, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm dating, we're dating. But know, here's the, the here, okay, he's supposed to pay. Yeah, that's you're what I told I, But you're supposed to have sex with him whenever he says. No. Whenever Walt was where, where, but what's the, where does this double standard come from? I'm sorry. It's the reality. You guys can, you can, you can moan at it all you want, but the moment you say to a guy, you have to fucking pay for my time. What I don't like is the fact she said he's supposed to pay. That's what most men don't like. Most men are probably going to offer, but it's just the expectation most guys don't like. You're saying this relationship isn't equal. This relationship isn't equal. My time is worth more than yours. So you should pay for it. I wonder what paradigm that sets up. Here's my view. If you go on a date with a guy and you don't offer to pay your share, you weren't taught right. If you go on a date and he doesn't pay, he wasn't taught right. I can tell you right now, if I was dating someone and they never offered to pay, I wouldn't be dating them. I can tell you that now. If they never offered to pay, I would not be dating them because I'd say, this is the most polite they're ever going to be. And Thanks. they're not even trying to pay now. Um, <laughs> what does that say about my future? But I, I look, this, let me come at this from a different angle. I would, I would be treating, I will always treat my partner how I would treat my best friend. And I wouldn't apply a different standard to my partner than my best friend. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say to my best friend, let's always go out to dinner and, and you always pay. I'd say, let's be teammates here in whatever way we can. And maybe, by the way, proportionately, what you can do is less than what he can do. That's a different thing. If he says to you, I want to go stay at the top hotel in Big Sur this weekend, and it's 1500 bucks a night, and you say, I can't, I don't have the money. It's his job to say, it doesn't matter. I didn't do it so you could pay. I did it because I want to go and I want to take you. Great. That's what that is, right? Or if you both agree to go on holiday and you have a fifth of his earning potential. Yes, you have a question. Um, please put it right here in the Q&A, okay? I see your hand raised, Travis. You say, I want to contribute to a fifth of this holiday. It's overly simplistic, but you get what I'm saying, right? I'll contribute on the level I can contribute. Let me tell you what means something to a guy. Trying. That means something to a guy. When he feels that you're not even trying to contribute, that's when he feels used. Because any guy who's really confident and self-respecting, if the woman never is even trying to contribute, he feels like... 
uh, he's being taken advantage of. And it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with the lack of gesture. So I would be looking at, if you like this guy, maybe if you're in different positions, figure out what you want to contribute proportionately or what you can contribute proportionately and treat him as you would your best friend. So yeah, what he's saying links into what I'm saying. It's more about the gesture. We don't like to be expected to pay. And her question at the beginning was who should pay after four or five months of dating? Should the woman start to pay? And I've said this before on this channel. If you've invited a girl out on a date the first time, then you should pay because you've invited them out. Like if you invite a friend out, usually if you invite them for dinner, you'd be like, look, I'll pay. I invited you, right? Now, if you've been going on a string of dates for three or four months, and she's still not even offered or tried to pay for anything then that's just rude and like he said any self-respect to man is not going to take that he's not going to like being taken advantage of and if you stay with a woman like that and you set that tone at the beginning of paying for everything then your future is looking expensive bruv so in my opinion if it's been three or four months she's been inviting you to some days not paid for anything and she's not even offering to contribute a little bit then there's only one place she belongs she belongs to the streets Okay, so I wouldn't say all that extra stuff, but um, when I saw this video, I thought it was really interesting. And if you have a question, please go ahead and put it right here in the Q and A. That was a uh, that was a video about a man humbling a room full of women. And so basically, the question was, um, the lady asked him, so if she's been dating for four or five months, when should she have to pay? Right. So should she have to pay half? on the date or should he always have to pay and so what he his response was basically like if a woman is going on a date with you and she doesn't pay she wasn't raised right if she doesn't offer to pay her portion she wasn't raised right if a man goes on a date with the woman and he doesn't offer to pay his portion he wasn't raised right um but what i do like about the video is that I think that men definitely should not be required to always have to foot the bill, specifically when women are able to, you know, um, pay, then you should pay. Um, you said no, no, what? <laughs> no to what I'm saying or no to you don't agree with what he's saying. Please explain. So um, I think that when a woman is able to compensate for like, her part of the bill she should but i think that many times when you're going out with someone you should be able to offer like okay i i got us today then you can take care of the next time you know i think that that should always be done um now for instance if you're dating someone and, and that person is not working it's like okay you need to be considerate it's like okay well i really don't want to go out i don't have a job you know that so we need to wait and I don't want to, you know, spend too much of your money all the time until I'm able to provide. I don't feel right taking something all the time and, and always withdrawing from a person without having to contrib contribute back. So I think, um, I think that it's important to be able to be a contributor instead of, instead of always being a consumer. That's very important. And so, um. I have a scripture here. It is in First Corinthians. I'm sorry, First Timothy five and verse eight. It says, "Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever." So, um, let's look at this from the King James Bible. 
okay because the, the king james bible is important to look at because it'll give us the words that we can look at on the strong's concordance so that but if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own household he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel okay so that's an unbeliever and so let's go and look at the word provide and i like to look this up through the strong concordance And if my phone had went muted on the audio app, please do forgive me. It was because someone was calling my phone, but I did go ahead and mute the call. So um, hopefully you all can hear me. But if you cannot, please just go ahead and listen and um, chime in into the web uh, Zoom webinar. So I typed in the word provide in the Strong's Concordance. Let me just briefly explain this. So the Strong's Concordance is basically the translation of the bible it, it, the bible is comprised of two testaments one the old testament which are books written from the book of genesis through the book of malachi the first five books of the old testament is genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy that is considered the torah or the law and so the book of exodus exodus chapter 20 is where we will find the ten commandments but these five books in the bible is the law that's the law that god gave and so when we look at the new testament that is written in greek and so that that starts from the book of matthew on to the book of revelation and so we can look at the first four books of the new testament which is matthew mark luke and john that is considered the gospel it talks about the life of jesus and the things that jesus did while he was here on earth so jesus began his ministry at the age of 30 and it talks about how um jesus became just as low as the angels so jesus christ he was 100 god and 100 man he was crucified on a cross by the uh, religious pharisees who were the jews and once he was once he resurrected he resurrected three days after he was crucified but he spent 40 days here on earth during that time he ministered to many people even doubting thomas that who really did not believe that jesus resurrected he wanted to even feel the scars in his in his hand and so while jesus was here on earth ministering for 40 days once he ascended into heaven after those 40 days 10 days later he sent the holy spirit so that's considered 50. 50 is actually pentecost so the number 50 means pentecost it's it's the day of pentecost actually and so we can understand the bible through the strong concordance so the bible the entire bible is actually named the dead sea scrolls because many of the bible um, translations came from the sea and so they have all of these translations and they have the old testament which is written in the hebrew scrolls and the new testament which is written in greek and so for instance if anytime we needed to find anything uh any translation in the bible we're gonna look at it from the strong's concordance so your bible is just as much as important as the strong's concordance because it gives you the revelation and the translation that you need in order to understand the bible um so for instance the word perfect 
The word perfect is mentioned 94 times in the Bible. However, it has 23 different meanings. But the word perfect isn't the exact word as perfect in the dictionary. When you look at the word perfect and read it in the dictionary, it has eight different meanings. And it means something totally different than the word perfect in Hebrew and also in Greek. And so we look at this word perfect, it means to be mature in nature and in thoughts. That's what it means. Perfect means to be mature. And so it has 23 different verses. I'm sorry, 23 different lexicon numbers and words that is associated with the word perfect. So what that means is each word in the Bible has its own number and its own word in either Hebrew or either in Greek. And so those words and lexicon numbers is then translated over into English. And so, for instance, the word God, God has so many names in Hebrew. God has so many names in Greek. And so it's important for us to make sure that we have access to the strong concordance because it allows us the interpretation of the word the way that we need to. So, the King James Bible closely resonates with the Hebrew scrolls and also Greek. But what the Lord told me the other day, he, this is what he wanted me to start saying when I'm describing a strong concordance. God allowed the Bible to be created. And God used all people, all the people who God used, all the authors of the Bible, each and every single person had flaws okay so just understand that god utilized people with flaws all right and so there were a few people in the bible that was perfect meaning that they were mature in nature and thought there were only a few one is Job. the other one is uh stefan the other one is somebody in the book of revelation um i forgot his name it started with an a uh, something I think Antipas, uh, something like that. I don't know for sure. Um, but these people were perfect in God's sight. And so when we look at the Bible, don't get confused by the version. Don't get confused by the translation. Don't say, oh, well, see, Paul did this and this person did that. See, some people want to pick and choose what they believe because of the author. But you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is working through these people. See, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. We see this in John 1 and 1. Also, in Genesis, we see that God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Us is a reference to the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity isn't mentioned in the Bible at all. But we see that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is mentioned, which we relate that to the Holy Trinity. So in the beginning in Genesis, it said, let us make man in our image. Us meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because God does what? He always confirms his word. God repeats his word over and over again. And so um, looking at this word provide, being uh taken away from this scripture first timothy 5 and 8 where it talks about but if any provide 
not for his own. And especially for those of his own house. He had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So this word provide is mentioned in the Bible 11 times in 11 different verses. It has eight different meanings, eight different numbers, lexicon numbers, and eight different Strong's um, words. So it has eight different meanings. So when we type in the word provide, it's going to pull up every scripture in every single verse that is being mentioned in the Bible. But you have to make sure you're using the, the King James Bible. So this one is 1 Timothy 5 and 8. This is Strong's number 4306. It is pronounced pranoio, pranoio, which means to consider in advance, look out for beforehand, actively, actively look out for beforehand by the, by way of maintenance for others beforehand, middle voice by the way of circumspection for oneself, provide for. So you're going to actively look out beforehand for who? Who, who, who is this scripture talking about? For your relatives, for those in your own house. He have denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So people that don't provide for their households. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so what this means is that God is saying to us that, guess what? We, as children of God, should be providing for our household. So let's just look at the full chapter here. Because I never like reading anything without having to look at the full chapter. I like to look at verses before the base. And then so it said down to verse 8. Um, because this little section here is, is specific. So we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 8. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, those sh should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than a believer. So let me go over this scripture really quick, right? So what it is saying is, okay, so... You put your, your belief in God into practice by taking care of your family, right? The first people you take care of is your parents and your grandparents. So this is this is specifically important for everybody. It doesn't say, um, you know, like it just says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, put to their religion into practice by caring for their own family. So we, we take care of the people who have taken care of us. This is so important. And let me explain this. So my, I'm, I'm going to give you an example here. So when my grandfather, my grandfather, his uh, leg was amputated back in 2013. 
And so um, I took care of my grandfather for three years by myself. Well, like not literally by myself, but it was like during the time where like I had help from like I got I had help to, to care for my granddad. But my granddad, he wasn't like a diabetic or anything. His leg was amputated because of poor leg circulation in his leg. So he had his leg amputated. What ended up happening was it was very difficult on the family and everybody to help. So really, like I helped take care of my dad, my granddad because he was he was staying in my house. But before that, like I was already taking care of my dad. I took care of my dad for eight years. My dad was ill with Huntington's career disease, which is a rare, very rare genetic disease. And so um, it attacks like your, uh, it's a neurodegenerative type of illness. And so it's similar to Parkinson's, okay? And it's genetic. Um, I was tested for Huntington's career, but I was, I, I, I don't have any trace of Huntington's in my blood. The interesting thing that I noticed about Huntington's too was that people that have Huntington's career disease is also immune to like cancer. That's what I noticed about finding out in research. But just, I don't want to deviate too far from the topic. So I've taken care of my dad for eight years. Then my granddaddy goes ill with his leg amputation and he needs help. So my mom, she actually ended up moving back from California because she was staying in California for a long time. And when she moves back, she helps out with granddad. And so my grandfather, he actually literally have like seven other kids. But all of them, except for my mom, it, it's only been me, my mom, and my sister that's actually the only family members that have ever changed his diaper. And so... I don't really like talking bad about my um, aunties and my uncles. I don't really talk about them too much. When I mention my uncles, um, I'm talking about my dad's, my grandfather's brothers. Okay, that's who I'm talking about because that's who I was more so close to. My grandfather, brothers, not my uncles and my aunties. Okay. So I look at my uncles and my aunties more so like siblings to me because my grandmother was pretty actively involved in my life. So I guess I kind of think like an elderly person. So um, she's always been close to me, which kind of caused my, my uncles and my aunties to kind of look at me as their sibling rather than their niece. So... The reason why I'm explaining all of this is because when my grandfather's leg was amputated, like I was the first person who they brought, that, that, like he came to stay with me and live in my house. And so they, grand, my granddad could never spend a night at anyone's house because no one will change his diaper. And so that was really painful. That was a painful experience. And, um, I just think that when we are taken care of by our parents, we are supposed to take care of our parents when they need us. And so that isn't always the case. Um, because I, I understand people in life, they have jobs, they have 
they have traveling careers. They also have, you know, um, long-term obligations. And it is very difficult to be a provider, which is like you're providing 24 care for someone that you're unable to care for because you don't have that experience to care for an elderly parent. But I want to say this here. Your blessings come from what you reap. And so what you reap, you sow. So the seeds that you sow into in this lifetime, those seeds come back to you. And sometimes we do go through things in life just as, um, you know, like a learning experience or something that can be unexpected. But the things that you are aware of, specifically when it comes to taking care of relatives, that is something that is so important. And so um, this scripture is very touching to me because when I think about my family and I think about my parents and I think about my grandparents, I literally wasn't the type of person that could see my, my dad go and stay in a nursing home. Um, my dad, he did end up going to stay in a nursing home. And one year later, he passed away. And so my grandfather, he went and my mom had ended up putting him in the nursing home. When I, when I moved to Memphis, my grandfather, um, I normally keep my granddad probably about four to five months out of the year. And I told her this year, well, last year, I couldn't do that because I was like transitioning to a new state. And I'm just like, you know, I just really need a break because I work, go to school and I'm keeping my granddad four or five months out the year. And so it was kind of difficult. And um, so my grandfather passed away in December of last year. So he, he passed away after going to a nursing home too. But what I wanted to say was I studied a lot about this. Um, my granddad, he was actually on hospice for about two and a half years. So we took him back out of the, the he was in the hospital for a while in the nursing home. And I, I kept telling my mom, cause like, it was difficult. Like I, I, most people don't understand. Like I am the granddaughter. That is, even though I look at my granddad as my dad, that granddad is my granddad. I have a dad, you know? And so it was difficult for me. It was, and I'm, I'm in school right now and I'm trying to get my PhD and I was still keeping my grandfather four or five months out the year, you know? And so I just, I needed, you know, time to transition. And so, um, what I noticed is though, that like with nursing homes, I've done a lot of research on this. And so it was so important for me to be able to maintain just a great relationship with him because what i noticed is that like you know when many times when people go and stay in nursing homes they don't know the people that they are around and that causes them to feel depreciated and it also causes them to be stressed out because now they're in an environment where they don't have any family and they don't know anyone. 
So their chances of being happy isn't maximized. Their chances of happiness is really, really a, a, about, you know, um, just being with the people that they love. Because we have to understand it is really stagnation at this point, And especially if they are physically disabled. And so my grandfather, he was, he spent uh, the last days of his life, I would say, um, on the hospice for over two years. And he did a really good job of being happy. He would just always laugh. He'd be like, baby, where my, where my car key at? I'd be like, you know what? You gave it to your daughter. I don't know where she went. I just go with the flow. I don't correct my granddad when he make mistakes. He he had dementia. And I'm like, oh, granddad, you know what? She went to the store. I guess she'll be back. I don't know. You want to make you some eggs? You want some eggs and milk? Because that's all we care about is some eggs and milk. I'm to make you some eggs and milk till she get back with your car. Because my granddaddy was 82 years old. But one thing about him is that, like, if he thought he was driving, I'm not going to stop him from being in his glory because he happy. Internally, he was happy. He'd be like, you know, you the waitress. Is you the waitress? How much I owe you? I'd be like, you know, you don't owe me none. Just put it on your tab. You already owe me about $500 already. <laughs> so it's like, when I think about him, it's, it, it was just amazing. Like, I'm not sure, like, what really went on with anyone else. But I know that my experience with my grandparents has always been amazing. And so, like, for one, one instance, he said, he said, well, wait, where my wallet at? Because, see, I, I can't find my money. So he going and look on the side of his diaper trying to find his wallet. So he could pay for the food because he was thinking I was the waitress. So that's fine. Okay. I, you owe me money from the last time. So just put it on your tab. Okay. So I never, ever correct my grandfather, but I want to make, I want to make sure that everyone understands that dementia is not something that, you know, um, people can really endure. And I don't really fault anyone for anything. I just know for sure, for sure, that our parents have taken care of us. And if they need us, you better be sure that I will be changing my mama diapers. Okay? And I don't care how young she feel like, uh-uh, I can do this on my own. No, I'm helping you. Do it on your own after I help. Okay? Because it, it just requires a certain level of patience. And so um, that's what I wanted to say with this scripture. First Timothy chapter 5. We're going to give proper recognition to those widows who really are in need. But if a widow has children or a grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. I also want to say one thing that I noticed too through my research was that in the Asian culture, within the Asian population, 
They don't believe in nursing homes. So a part of this like Western ideology of nursing homes and putting our parents in nursing homes because we don't have the training or experience and because our stomachs can't take certain things, we have to understand that nobody wants to change diapers. Your parents didn't want to change your diaper. But guess what? They did. So we have to put ourselves in a position of empathy because when I think about the Asians, I really think, I really, really applaud them because they take care of their own, even if they have to rotate. This is a part of the Asian culture. And my son, his, his best friend, which is really like his brother, he's Asian. And I don't know this ideology because of him and my son being brothers with, uh, you know, they really, really act like they was born brothers. But what I'm saying here is that I know within the Asian culture, they, they have some very, very great qualities. And that's what I wanted to point out. That God want us to have some of these same great qualities we need to be able to take care of the people who've taken care of us. Even if they didn't do it the way we wanted them to. They still are our parents. Amen. So um, looking at verse five, the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. So that's what, you know, that's what the widow should do. Ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Pleasure. So let's think about this word pleasure. A widow that's seeking pleasure. Basically, hold on. A widow that seeks pleasure is basically like a hedonist or hedonism. That's somebody that believes in taking just focusing on the pleasures of this world. That's a hedonist. Why are you focusing on your own pleasures rather than pleasing other people? Like I get more satisfaction from helping other people. I really do. And it's really, really kind of bothersome because I'm like, guess what? When I graduate, I'm dedicating so many hours to giving back. It's like going to be ridiculous. Right now, I don't I don't take on too much work because I know what, what God has positioned me. I appropriate my time. But pleasure shouldn't be about just yourself. It really should be motivated into how happy others can be and how, how you have contributed to their success. I get extremely ecstatic, uh, happy about other people. I be like, oh, yes, okay. I wish I could feel what you feeling on the inside. I like that energy. Keep it going. You know, so it's like good. But let's look at, let's look here in verse seven. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. So this word that is inspired by God, encouraged by God. We have to give this word to everyone. 
the children and grandchildren. So I have pictures of my son feeding my granddad. Like he's he is so helpful. Now my grand my son will help change my granddad for me. But when we think about all of these things here, it says anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than the unbeliever. And so how is this connected to entitlement? Let me explain. Now, I know I went from the video of the men humbling the room full of women to now people that don't care for their household is worse than the unbeliever. So let me explain. If you go out and you say that, see your neighbor, neighbor means anyone who is near. That's somebody that's near you. That means that people that you know, your family, your friends, these people are people that you know. If they need help, you're supposed to give. If you can give. Now I have I have heard people say, well, you know, you don't have to tie because see the church just wants your money. The church wants to spend your money. I, I give on my own. I give to my friends. I give to homeless people. I give to the poor when I can. I donate. First of all, that, that is actually in contradiction to what God is really saying. When God says, bring ye forth the tithes and offerings into my storehouse so that there may be food in my house and see if I would not pour you out a blessing, you would not have enough room to receive it. So what does that mean? That means that just because you give it to homeless people, you're not obeying God. Just because you helping your family out who's struggling, that's still not obeying God when he tell you to bring up tithes and offering. See, God gives the seed to the sower. And so what that means is, what that means is you're supposed to be obedient to God's word and help your relatives. And help the people in your household. But you also understand that the people in your household could also be your enemies. So a house divided within itself can't stand. So they're going to eventually, your, your enemy going to eventually leave, right? So guess what? Your household are the people you should be taking care of. So let me explain this. If you go out with members of your family and you have... $10,000 in your bank and you can't buy everybody else food. And you know they only got $20 each. That's selfish. Now, I, I don't care how you look at it. It doesn't matter. You are only giving a small portion of your money. They're giving a chunk of theirs. See, yes, you could have wealth. Yes, you could be rich. But that don't mean that it's going to be associated with you having seeds. So God gives seed to the sower. That means, guess what? God is giving a seed back to the sower. That means that that, that giver going to get blessed. With maybe 
extra love, some extra care, some extra kindness, some extra authentic people coming into their life. See? So it, what, what this means is that if, if you're not providing for your relatives, you're probably not going to provide on the dates. Thank you for the love. I appreciate that. You probably not going to you you probably not going to you know provide if you're going on a date with someone. Quit being entitled like you are owed this. You go on a date, you just meeting the man at church, you go out and now you like, "Oh, so you going to pay for this?" That's rude. Cuz I tell you right now, I when I be like, "Um, you know, I'm going to pay for it this time. And next time, you just pay. Okay, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Okay, cool. It's all about being considerate. I don't want nobody always asking me for stuff. Don't keep asking me just because you think I have it. You ask me the same thing over and over and over again. No, Nobody wants to keep listening to somebody. Who, that's why I never supported halloween or nothing to do with it ever never ever ever i said wait a minute you think i'm gonna have my kids outside begging begging other people going house to house begging going to stores begging celebrating a scary day i don't like scary movies I don't want them saying that. So I don't support ideologies of begging. No, you don't. God don't want us begging. Going outside begging for candy. Can I? You don't know these people to be begging nobody. And it's not a good day. You just going to the store begging. Can I have some candy? No. Don't ask nobody for no candy. Better yet, I'm going to buy all the candy and everybody stay in the house. So, like, I guess I'm a strict parent, if that's what you want to call it. But I'm, I'm just saying that when we think of this, God really wants us to be the type of person that is a giver. If you make me some food, I promise you I'm making you some food. If you do something for me, I promise you I want to outdo you in giving. I want to outdo you. You can't, you can't give more to me. I don't like when nobody give more to me. I got to give more to you. So I'm like, well, wait, okay. So you just made me some food. Guess what? I made lunch. You want some steak and shrimp? That's what you want. I'm making I'm making steak and shrimp for lunch. Be like, uh, <laughs> you know, like I'm about to make this food. Don't worry about it. Thank you. No, I appreciate you. Thank you. See, we are as women, we have to get into the habit of outdoing our spouse and giving 
Like, oh, you just surprised me with all this? Oh, my God. Guess what? I'm about to buy him a new tool set. He just don't know it yet. I'm going to order this tool set for him on Amazon. I'm going to outdo you as soon as I get a chance. Okay? <laughs> All right. So, um, getting back to this topic of entitlement, we need to outdo our others on giving. Just outdo it. So, like, okay, so I had I had went out to church and um I had got my food. And they served me the wrong food because I don't eat pork. So they had put like uh, bacon on the food that I ordered. And so I really didn't want to eat it after that. I just like, uh. But then I thought about what God said. He said, it's not what you eat that defile you. I'm like, oh, this pork on my food. And then God was like, look, it's not what you eat that defile you. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, I just paid $50 for this. And I'm just thinking in my mind, like, it's bacon on my food. Pork bacon. And God said to me again, it's not what you eat that defile you. So I'm like, okay, all right. Well, I guess I'll pick this pork bacon off. So I'm picking the bacon off. And so, um, I go in like towards the end, I, I have a whole bunch of cards in my wallet. And so this lady that was sitting next to me, now I'm not, I'm not a flamboyant person. So like she's sitting next to me and I, I got like probably a hundred different cards in my wallet and I got to look through them. Like what, you know, which card, which credit card I'm about to use. So I got so many cards. And so she like, woo, you paying for everybody? I said, woo, no, that's going to be about $800 right here. I know that for a fact because I used to buy food for my entire family when we go out to eat. And I, my bill, sometimes it would be between $800 and $1,300 at Olive Garden. So I'm like, I knew exactly how much the bill was just because of the amount of people in the average of the, of the menu. Just looking at the menu, I'm like, I could tell this is clearly about $800. So she was like, it looked like you could pay for all of us. I was like, I know what it looked like, but you shouldn't have been looking that way because you wouldn't be, be assuming what you thought it was. So um, I said, I, am, I do not have a job. That's what I told the lady. And I was like, I don't know what was going on. But um, so... What happened, it made me think. It made me think about all of those special moments that I've had with my family. And one thing about me is I love, love taking my family out to eat. Like if I don't go nowhere else, I'm going to go out to eat and we're going to go bowling. Okay. Now, if I go skating with the kids, I do not want them pushing me down because they always want me to fall. I don't know why, but I don't fall. So if you push me down, I'm going to take you with me. So don't try it. 
<laughs> so they leave me alone on the skating rink. <laughs> it's so funny, but I think about all of that. I think about, you know, just the, the time. Thank you for the love. I appreciate that. I think about all those special memories. We create these memories with our family and our loved ones that are priceless. And so that's what God wants us to remember. He wants us to remember the times that we build with our family by making sure that we can take care of our family. I remember times when every single time I ever changed my grandfather's diaper, he said, thank you, little darling. I needed that. I'm like, yeah, I bet you did. I bet you did. So granddad, my granddad was really, really something major. And when I look at some of these videos, it's like, I could, I could have had my granddad on YouTube, but I'm not, I haven't never really been into social media like that. So I'm really transitioning. Really, really, I am transitioning. And this big change is really allowing me to really rely more on God and the direction because God is shifting the trajectory of my life and I'm excited about it. So even though I don't know the specifics because I just told God, God, I don't, I don't got to know everything that you want me to do. I say yes to you right now. I'm a, I say yes to you ahead of time. You don't even got to show me. All you got to do is tell me where to go. I say yes to you. When to go, I say yes to you. How you want me to say it, God, I say yes to you wherever, whenever, however. So that's it. It's like, guess what? When you're, when you're no longer doing things for your own justifications and you do them for God, it excites you. People, people in this world, they sit back. And they don't really understand. But if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, all you got to do is turn on your TV or turn on YouTube and look at all the believers in God. We are all on fire. We are zealous. The Holy Spirit keeps us like, yes. And where you think that energy comes from? The energy is coming from God. See, it don't matter about the Tyrones that this movie keeps talking about. Somebody just clone Tyrone and the clone here and the clone there. Guess what? God told me uh, a few a month ago, two months ago, that it don't matter about the clones. They can't clone the Holy Spirit. So that stays in the original host. The Holy Spirit had to dwell inside of you. So everything that come out of you is original. It can't be duplicated. It can't be copied. It don't matter how much a person try to what they call it, they try to uh, blacklist you. It don't matter how much they try to limit your ability to influence. It don't matter about what they try to do to prevent you from making it known what God's plan is. Guess what? 
Your originality can't be duplicated. We are all a part of the same body of Christ. Which means that when you cut on YouTube, you're going to see all of God's children doing what? On fire for God. Ain't no clone in it. You, the Holy Spirit don't fill the clone up. You could copycat with the AI, but it ain't going to be original. People want the originality. So God wants us to stay true. God wants us to stay focused. And he wants us to not feel so entitled. So I want to shift now. It's 8.30. I have about 30 more minutes. I want to shift to another video. Now, I know we just went over 1 Timothy. That's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 to 8. But I have more scriptures to go over. So um, I also have a couple articles to look at too. All right. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and watch this video. This is a video. It's called The Entitlement Mentality of Modern Women. Once again, it's called The Entitlement Mentality of Modern Women. And this is by um, Pearl. She is basically a, um influencer and she talks about relationships, okay? And so you have a... Okay, so I'm just going to play it. This is a lady talking about how some men approach her because of her shape and the way that she is. And so they approach other women differently. And so we're going to be talking about the entitlement mentality of modern women. But I want, I am going to fast forward through the commentary because she's going to be reading some stuff on the online viewers watching this. Okay. But I am going to allow her to speak a lot about that. And then I want to zoom in and fast forward a little bit and i'm not going to reflect on this video until after it's over so this video is i think it's about 23 minutes long it's not showing me right now because i had to uh rewind it but um i'm just gonna play it if you all have questions like i said just go ahead and put them in the q a or put them in the audio app thank you so him following me every step I'm taking and trying to get my number is what happens. So we're not saying that it doesn't happen. We're just saying it's not the majority okay. of men. Oh, uh, and I also wanted to say, um, when they read the commentary, some parts of this do use like profanity and elevated language. So just please disregard that. Um, I'm really here to focus on the... Oh. Jesus, one second, please. Okay, um, so let me go ahead and, um, oh, I, I was going to say, okay, so Benz, can you hear me? If you can hear me, just throw some, shout out some hearts, okay? Because I know you, okay, good, good, okay. So I know some people were having problems with hearing, um, so it's about 870 people that are listening, but I want to just make sure that everybody can hear me. If you have any time, at any given time trouble hearing me, please, please let me know. All right, let me play this video. And like I said, maybe again, my figure, 
my figure might attract a lot more men than someone else. Someone else might be size six and not attracted, right? Men might not be attracted to that. Mm. My figure might be what attracts them. And when I go on the streets of Marrakesh, they might feel like, oh, this is a nice one. I don't know. I can't say my experience with someone else is going to be exactly the same. Yeah. But what I have experienced when I have gone to certain countries... I have been physically touched. And again, maybe it's because I'm too smiley. Sometimes when I'm too smiley, guys think they can physically just come and get a bit more comfortable. So I've had to be a bit more standoffish. Okay, I'm going to read Super Chat. Um, guys, make sure you like the video. That is the most important metric that YouTube uses to push out these live streams. So if you think this is entertaining, you like the topics that we cover, and you think it's important that people watch, make sure you like the video. Um, we are using all Super Chats to get Blessing an 8K camera. We are going to be filming some reaction videos, um, and we I want you guys to see the freckles on my face. That, that is what I want. I want to be so clear. You can literally see the freckles on my face. <laughs> um, so make sure you send donations to help us raise that. We're about, I don't know, 2,000 short from that. So make sure you send um, donations for that. So zero fallout one. The men that approached her were from, from Greenpeace, um, making sure she wasn't ac ac accidentally harpooned. 90 free tope. Women act like celebrities. They treat men like paparazzi. The men in your life are sad. You view men as bad. We love you, Auntie. Um, Christopher Serdak. Okay, that, that's some connection issue. One moment. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, let me let me just refresh this and hopefully it'll play. So him fuck this one. I don't know. I can't say much. Yo, um, we are using all super chats to get blessing and eight cake. Really see the freckles on my face. <laughs> um, so make sure you set women act like celebrities. They treat men like paparazzi. The men in your life are sad. You view men as bad. We love you, Auntie. Um, Christopher Serdak. Um, approach her for her figure, only to offer some celery and a diet book. Um, zero fallout. She's a, a Madison. Um, tracks. Uh, advances from attractive guys are accepted differently from less desirable guys. Doing the same approach. It's Russian roulette for a guy to approach women they don't know whether or she'll accept you. Bill, Bill Chris. Why are we complaining Western men? Western men with men from third world countries and acting like they're the same public sculpture. Sadly, the truth is that it's more beneficial to be a toxic man than a nice guy because women will choose the toxic guy over the nice guy. I'm Christopher Serdak. Pillow girl, just accept that you're a misandrous and call it a day. You will never be married. 90 free to pay. There's a study of men of a man on dating sites telling women he's a pedo but still got dates because he was hot based on their messages to him. Jesus Christ. Um, Peter Mitchell, um, for the girl in the black, I would treat you right and I have my own goals. Like Auntie said, what was the process of actually putting this all together? Many, many hours of finding the right camera angle. The sex though, but I wouldn't cheat or do you wrong. 
um, dub man. Pearl, explain to women that we don't care about their money because we are not going to we are not going to be able to spend your money. Christopher Serdak, using words without knowing what they actually mean or making up definitions based on your feelings. This is the definition of modern women. Men use words to describe reality. Women use it to try to change it. Kemal our hard on work we wake up it's there it's we are thinking the bad it's there bin fact it doesn't show up when we worry it's our terry cruz 90 frito pie pie not pay please please the super chat's a little bit slower um 90 frito pie sex isn't the main thing but i don't buy a house just for the bathroom don't let me use it once a month don't respect don't restrict me Cheating for man is providing resources for another woman, not sex. We don't care about the nuts. Women thinking cheating is sex, but also say that sex is just physical. The UK Economist. Is it true that women enjoy sleeping with a non-committed man, but not with a provider husband? 90 free to pay. Who let garbage batch doll speak? Passive aggressive AF. Girl beside auntie. Keep up the good work of splitting up the family. Um, Almighty Tian. Auntie is spitting. Now these... Um, Oh, these modern women are lazy. Um, Fox, that man doesn't want you. He will either seize you as just sex or he knows something about your past that he doesn't forgive you for but won't tell you. Um, broke homes need to go to jail. Um, she's got a big reason the money thing is cap. Tim Neurath, all excuses. I'm married. We both work together and know that we are both not perfect. I acknowledge I'm wrong. She acknowledges she's wrong. But I can I can see here you haven't said anything about your critiques. Always someone else's fault. Said he daughter six years old traumatized at uni by a guy she keeps bringing up could it be daughter six years old traumatized at uni by a guy she keeps bringing up could it be the kid is his and not her husband could explain the separation um lsa call him russell warren love it um ruma god bless you pearl you look as tired you look as tired as most men feel and we do this every day these young women better believe the altruistic ideals as much as they can and not see the correct path isn't white or black but gray um almighty tian she's capping she was the problem ellis he was cheating on his wife at the time and his wife was there from the beginning <laughs> yeah um there's always a lot um okay so today we're going to talk about Jeff Bezos's ex-wife. Okay, so now before we get into this discussion, I wanted to go over a few things that she had mentioned. Now, these are comments from other people that were commentating on like some of the things that this woman has said on her the um pregame show. So, the one thing that I that, there are a few things that stood out to me. Uh women act like celebrities because they treat men like paparazzi. Okay, this is something that is really some men feel this way. So I want to go over this. The first thing is we as women should not be treating a person anything besides a human being. Okay? Because not every man that looks at you is attracted to you. And not every man that talks to you wants to sleep with you. So the thing about that is, the way I am, I'm going to just talk about myself. I never assume anything. Ever. Ever, ever. I don't like assuming. 
I don't. If I assume something, that means that it was like facts attached to that. So like you, you I made a deposit into my account and funds should be made available tomorrow. So I'm assuming that funds will be available tomorrow in my account. That's an assumption that that turns into a fact. That's an actual fact. I made an action that that action now becomes a a a way to turn it into a fact because funds will be available once I make the deposit. So for instance, um you are getting married in two months. You get married in two months. I'm assuming you're getting married in two months. So really, that that's a fact, right? The, now, if you recant on that, now I should have never assumed you're going to get married. But the likelihood of you changing your spouse is most likely unlikely, right? So the way I, that's the way I look at things. The, the, never assume. Never assume because we should never be assuming that other people have the same ability of understanding things the way that we do. So just because you think something doesn't necessarily equate to it being the correct way or the right assumption. So he's talking to you. He says, hi, how are you? And now you're like, uh, excuse me, I have a man. He didn't ask you if you had a man or not. So don't assume that, you know, like every man wants you like, like what I noticed in like my previous relationship, my ex-boyfriend would always think that every man wanted me and I don't look at it like that. He was like, all your friends want you. We're like what? What is you talking about? <laughs> you know, like some people, in, in, some people like in my community, they think like, Oh, she hang out with everybody. She slept with everybody. That is not true. You could say that behind my back, but make sure you don't say it in my face. Because I will let you know. That's, don't, don't accuse me of something that you don't have anything that you don't know nothing about. So, that's the point. Don't make assumptions that you don't know the fact to. So, never assume that men just want to approach you because they like you. They could just be complimenting you. For instance, like when I was married, when I um talked to other guys, I would only really talk to them be because or uh I'm asking them a question and maybe they shoes like, oh, you know, them shoes nice. Where you get them from? Them that would look nice on my husband. Where you order them shoes? Where you get that outfit? I gotta get my husband one of them. That's that's nice. So I'm not looking in the man's face. I'm not looking at anything. I'm looking at, I look at the shoes. Thinking about my husband, associating that with my husband. So that's, that's what I mean. Like, you don't know if a man is just approaching you in a way to, you know, um, be in a relationship with you. It could just be that he likes you. He would like to be friends with you. He want to get to know you, you know, or maybe network with you. So that's the way I look at it. I don't, I don't think that everybody wants to sleep with everybody. That's not how my man is. So, um, unless you have proof to that, I don't believe it. Okay. So, um, quit treating men like, um, you, you the last woman on earth. Okay. So, 
advances it says advances from attractive guy are more exciting than less attract attractive guy well see this question here it, i'm gonna um say this again so the, the statement was advances from attractive guy are more exciting than less attractive guy so really attraction is really how you see them we we shouldn't be looking at anybody in a way where we're taking our mind off of what the, what god really wants us to do now if you're dating somebody and you're a christian it's okay to date it is not okay to fornicate it's not okay to do things that lead up to fornication so you can go out on you can go out to eat you can go out bowling you can go do different activities but don't do activities that will lead you to fornication like for instance sleeping in the bed um or you know like um wear inappropriate clothing around the house right that's going to entice another person that's what i noticed that will cause a person to you know like basically fornicate so don't do those type of things but when it comes to attraction or you being attracted to another um you're you you attracted to this person it's not about um how physically it shouldn't be how physically someone attractive is but for a lot of women they're looking at the physical attributes for me i see beyond those physical attributes i see in the like when i look at a person it's like i could see through them i could see what's inside of them when they speak it's like i identify what's in their heart so i'm like really paying attention to everything that you do around me within the first couple minutes of me meeting you i listen to your words your words tell me what's in your heart <laughs> then I, I i pay attention to your body language and the way that you're presenting yourself so i'm not looking at nothing physical really um i really pay attention to what's being said first and then i look at the physical so you should make your goals not about like physical attributes but more so about the quality and context of that person so god wants us to be like him so if i am if a man is pursuing me because god says in the word that when a man finds a wife he finds a good thing and he receives blessings from the lord well guess what if he is finding me he needs to have attributes and qualities like god meaning that he needs to be praying about stuff he needs to be talking with authority okay not no doubt and unbelief because i don't need that around me i don't talk i don't speak with doubt and unbelief i like i'm i'm a faithful person i like faith your words speak some hope into me okay i don't want to hear all of that uh stress i don't i don't want that don't be calling me with that all day because it's like i pray for you i want to help you but guess what you gotta want to help yourself just because just because i see you as being great if you don't see yourself as being great it's meaningless you have to see yourself as god sees you you have to see yourself as being great what good is me seeing you as being great if you don't see yourself as being great 
So I don't want that doubt and unbelief around me. It's okay if you need prayer, I will pray for you. But that's not the man that I want in my life. He has to believe in God. And you have to have hope. You have to be pushing for that type of hope. Um, otherwise, I just really forget about it. So um, the next thing. So men, men telling men. Um, oh, so she said it was a study. I just tried to find a study that she was talking about. I tried to find it. But I think it was on um, TikTok. She said it was on TikTok, I believe. So it was a study about a man telling men, I mean, Lord Jesus, help me. It was a man telling women that he was a pedophile, but he still got dates and he still got a bunch of emails because he was a hot, attractive man. So this clearly shows that the world is sick, right? How can you focus on getting a, a being on a date with someone like that if they are, you know, he's he's openly saying that he is a pedophile. He's openly saying this and they are going on dates with him. So we see that that there is something that shouldn't be, you know, like polarized. Why are things like this being polarized in society? But when you hear people speaking about god and, and, and encouragement it's like well wait a minute you're you know like why are we playing if paying emphasis on these type of things so the next one i saw um love sleeping with so this commentator says women love sleeping with non-committed men even though he is not a provider let me explain this I think that a lot of men make choices and they choose women who are Eve's. And I've talked about Eve on this podcast for like several weeks now. But a man that chooses a Eve, he's definitely going to be going through some problems. Because, see, we as children of God, specifically women, we have to be a helpmate. And it isn't about doing things in this world. You, you're going to sleep with that man because he cute. You're going to sleep with him because he hot to you. But guess what? You're going to have problems associated with that. And it isn't going to bring about stability or sustainability in your life. And so a lot of these men have been contaminated by all of these Eves out here who really want to dominate their lives and control them. So then when they want to end up being with a woman who is like submissive, you've already been damaged by all the eaves because now you don't know how to lead as the man. So I talked to this woman and the, and the reason why I'm talking about this, because I talked to this lady and, and she was talking about so much stuff. And she specifically said that, you know, I'm a hustler. I make a lot of money and I, I do this and I do that. And I'm just thinking in my mind, like, okay, it really doesn't matter even if you made a million dollars. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 and 3 that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. So if you are in a relationship with your spouse, you are, this is your friend. This is your partner. This is the part, your husband is someone who God has allowed you to become united into the flesh with. 
So your million dollars that you got, it doesn't matter about that. It don't matter if you had a billion dollars and he didn't. You still need to come to the table with your husband and make agreements on things. Because the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. So God positioned the man to be the head, not the woman. And I'm not, it, it, it's really tricked out because so many women get this misinterpretation where you're misinformed and you're sitting here thinking like, oh, okay, so that means I can't go get a good job. No one said that you couldn't go get a good job. The Bible says that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. This is why it says that a man leaves his father and mother and is united unto his wife and the two become one flesh. Why? Because they are one flesh. So let's go to, I want to go to this scripture though. Okay. So that's that's basically what what the Bible is telling us. Okay. Um. Let me. Um. Th so there's a couple more minutes left, and I don't know if I'm gonna have enough time to go over this. So what I'll do is I'll just leave this. Um. I'll leave this video up, and I'll replay it tomorrow. So I'm not tomorrow on Thursday, so this will be seven minutes and forty six seconds. on the entitlements. Entitlement mentality of modern women. I also wanted to go over a um, culture. So let's see how long. This one isn't that long. So let me go over this article really quick. Because I still have some minutes left here. So, the Bible says, um, this is on gatquestions.org. So, entitlement culture basically teaches us that we desire to have things given to us and that we should have special privileges. So, women always want special privileges. We want special privileges. I don't want special privileges. Like I said, I really believe in outdoing person, outdoing a person in my giving. I love to outdo you in giving. If you're going to give to me, I'm going to outdo you. Period. So those, so those people that are enmeshed in entitlement culture believe strongly that the whole world revolves around their perceived rights, needs, and wants. It's rallying cries are my way, my rights, and what I deserve. So the American side society, um, they have certain rights. These certain rights are acknowledged as God-given and inalienable. But the entitlement culture takes it further, presuming rights and presuming that rights are neither divinely granted nor constitutionally grant guaranteed. 
And so what I noticed is when I go to the gym, um, I noticed that people don't always clean behind that stuff. So I'm sitting up here like, okay, so I don't like that. <laughs> because why do you feel entitled for somebody else to come behind you and clean up all of your sweat on this workout machine? So I literally, after each use, I go get the spray bottle and I wipe it down. But the point of the matter is, I've seen a lot of people who don't do that. Like, why do you feel entitled? You sitting up here working out on workout equipment and won't even wipe the part where you had your sweaty hands all over. When there are spray bottles in each section, probably about three or four, with napkins for you to clean and wipe down, that is free. That's entitlement. So I'm gonna end on that note tonight, okay? Because I'm definitely want well, I will not be able to get through this article. Um, so I'll talk about this on on Thursday too. All right. So let me go ahead and pray. Um, but I wanted to just kind of like before I pray, I want to make sure that everybody understands that God does not want us to feel this sense of entitlement. God pauses time for you to change. He pauses things for you to get your attitude right, for you to walk in forgiveness, for you to walk in love, for you to work on self. We all need to have self-reflexivity. It's about self-improvement, not about what somebody else is doing. Because when you have a problem, you're going to call all of your cousins. You're going to call all of your uncles. You're going to call all of your aunties, all of your friends. But you ain't going to get on your knees and pray. See, we got to remember to go to the table in prayer on our knees, making our supplication to God. So it's really about you making sure that you can improve when God is pausing time for you to change. It's the moment you calling everybody else. Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to what God wants you to do. What would God do in this situation? What would God do? And that's how I be feeling. I be like, well, wait, you know. God, I, I be having access to all that wickedness. I don't want to be no part of people who are out here just doing whatever they want to do. I don't want no part in it. Don't tell me about how you want to go beat somebody up. I don't want to have nothing to do with that. I don't have nothing to do with that. Don't call me about how you're going to do this. Don't tell me that. I don't have nothing to do with it. I will pray for you. So that's what we have to do. We have to pray about all things. Quit, quit calling on people more than you call on God. Because guess what? You setting the expectations up and God is saying, look, don't put your trust in man who is merely human. Why hold him in this thing?
Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. God is pausing time for you. Take advantage of this time to change. Change your attitude. Change your perspective on life. Do something about your life. So you have to be tired of sin. Are you sick of sin yet? Oh, well, you know, everybody's sin. I didn't ask you that. Oh, everybody make mistakes. I didn't ask you that either. Because what's known don't really have to be explained. But are you sick and tired of sin? Because when you are, that's when you're going to change. Until then, you're going to keep living like the way you want to. And God going to allow you to, too. Because you have free will. So none of, remember, none of God's children is going to force you to do anything. All we're going to do is pray for you. Because we give it to God. We don't worry about stuff that's out of our control. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We ask that you allow us to be obedient to you. Let us satisfy you. Let us understand your word and those things that you want for us. Most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done in our life. And, and please guide us in the path of righteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your blood. Amen. All right. Good, good night, everybody. I will see you all on Thursday. In the meantime, if you have any questions, please go ahead.